This is the Secret Life of Mold podcast. Cooper and Mike Marshall, what do you have going on there? Well, it just doesn't grow <laughs> in, man. And I have a little bit of beard envy. So <laughs> I, I think I think it looks completely natural. I was going to say we're 12 days in now to No Shave November and You've made some serious gains. We're we're way past beardish. It looks it's not beardish anymore. <laughs> it's full blown beard on. Nice. One hundred percent. All natural. I'm just kidding, guys. I lost that battle. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask, was it you that gave up or did the wife just force it on you? <laughs> Somebody taught me a very important phrase a long time ago and I live yeah. by it. And it's happy wife, happy life. So true. She doesn't like it. It doesn't really grow in. So I'm sorry. I I failed in no shave November, but honestly, I feel so much better. But you look good too. I want to say you look good. Thank you. (laughs) The nice thing is you can always put that on anytime you want when you want to go out in public and exactly that was exactly my point. Yeah. Right. Well, I you inspired me last week, so I I decided. Even though I failed, I had I actually bought thirty beards. And there's all sorts of different ones. And, uh, you know, it's just like depending on what kind of mood you're in, I guess. I could go yeah. Amish. I could go different different phases, you know? Yeah. So nice. it's pretty cool. Well, pretty cool. You're getting but, famous now being on the podcast. So I thought it would get a good chuckle because <laughs> I did kind of amp up my beard-ish last week, right? But it never gets past beard-ish. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it never gets past there. It's just that would have been the same thing. So <laughs> you have beard envy of Brandon. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Go, yeah. Let's just talk about the outfit in the room. Is that what it is? Without, <laughs> <elephant room. laughs> without question. Without without question. Well, I, I was glad to see you. I, I was stoked we were gonna beard together, but I understand your decision. And like you said, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> That's a wise Absolutely. One. Yeah, no doubt. I'm super excited about the show today though. So I am let's, too. Let's jump right in. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, everyone, super excited to have back Brandon Apple, CEO of Mold Inspection Sciences. Thank you, and Craig. Mike Marshall, CEO of Mold Inspection Sciences, Texas. Yeah. Welcome back, gentlemen. Stoked to be here for sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Craig. Thanks yeah. for inviting yeah. us back yet again. Yes. <laughs> <once again. laughs> this has been fun. We, we do try to make it fun. And today's going to be a great episode. We're really looking forward to it. We're going to geek out. Like we always say, we've used that, that term. I think we've kind of coined that, adopted it because it's what we do. Today, it's our third part of our series, mold sampling series, covering why mold sampling is an important part of a mold inspection. Yeah. And, you know, last week we had a great discussion. We talked about the different types of standard microbial sampling, how beneficial they are in isolating issues within the home, and really determining the different types of molds that we may be dealing with on our assessments. Today, we are going to take a real deep dive, though, into a little, really some exciting testing. It's, it's higher level testing more advanced testing, and it's called qPCR sampling. Brandon, how would you like to take the lead on that? Yeah, man, I'm excited about this one. We've been building it up. It's it's one of those hot topics, you could say, so yeah. I'm definitely excited to jump in. Before we do, though, I like to always give an example. You know, every time we talk about one of these types of samples, I'm always thinking in my head, like, oh, I remember when that so helped us out or this or that. So I did want to just real quickly touch on somewhat recent project, actually one we're still continuing to work through. This is actually with an associate of ours that we started working with a whole lot earlier in the year, specifically Dr. Ashley, Ashley Beckman out of the California area. And we actually became 
uh, mutual referral associates prior to her having any issues. And she was actually sending her patients our way to start to identify, you know, like we talked about this whole series, you know, what's going on in this house? What's the problems, this, that. So we're definitely working together. And then all of a sudden, of all things, she experiences an issue in her own house. And as scary as that can be, you know, what do you do at that point though? You reach out to, to people like us and start to allow us to help determine what might be going on. Specifically, mm-hmm. I believe they had an in-slab floor leak. And that's a pretty common issue in California where homes are built on slabs and there's plumbing running through it and you can have potential leaks. Leak was identified. Oh, and I should mention it was a rental house to her. So she didn't have full control of the situation, which can make things even more difficult. But just wanting to ensure she knew what was going on, reached out to us, brought us in to do an assessment. And as we see so often, hey, we have something in front of our face. Let's start to look at that. But then we do some of this testing. We start to really look at the house in its entirety. And it's, hey, we unfortunately have a whole lot of other issues going on. And this was one of those cases. I mean, not only did we have some of the standard samples going off the charts, you know, like we talked about last week, the air samples, surface samples, identified visual growth. But then we incorporated the qPCR sampling and just found a large amount of contamination through the house. This starts to play into contents, things like that. It's really been an evolving process, and we're still, like I said, working through it with Dr. Ashley, but hoping to actually go a whole lot more detail into that in the future here. It's been talked about me and Dr. Ashley getting on her Instagram live and actually just kind of talking through that as a whole. So I don't want to give nice. too much of the information, but just want to throw that out there again. This is the stuff that that helps us really find out what's going on and what needs to be done. So just a a quick, quick story there. But going back to it, QPCR, what is it? Does anybody, anybody know off the top of their head? Uh, (laughs) Uh, Might have an idea. uh, (laughs) I'll jump right in. This will answer the whole story. It's quantitative polymers chain reaction. Huh? That makes sense, right? (laughs) For those following along at home, there is going to be a guide to all of this later on. So you don't have to try and spell that out just so you guys know. Yeah, don't worry. If if you're not keeping up with those notes, that's a good point, Mike. Thanks for that, for sure. In in a very simple way, it's a form of molecular biology where they take a material and they kind of break it down to, in essence, the DNA level. And then they're able to specific, or, or I should say target specific DNA and really amplify it to properly identify what's there and the quantities and things like that. In this case, specifically, they're targeting the mold of DNA. So again, it's that deeper level look. It's not just looking for the whole mold spores that we look for with some of the standard sampling. It is literally, if there's remnants of DNA within that sample, they're going to be able to help us identify that and really Again, just I'm going to keep saying it, look at it on a deeper level for sure. So when it's used for mold, it's it's commonly referred to as the ERMI sample. It's in essence going to test for 36 different mold species in that panel. It's going to give us, you know, if they're present and those concentrations. What does ERMI stand for? I get that one a lot. Specifically, it's the Environmental Relative Moldiness Index. And, and that in and of itself, it's the common term. It's what everyone knows it as. Let's really touch on that real quick, though. What is that? What it goes back to is in the early 2000s, the EPA wanted to do a study on homes and really just start to determine, hey, what might be normal, average, high, low for homes when we test this home in this manner? So they tested approximately a thousand HUD homes at the time. Back then they were using vacuum cassettes and they were 
vacuuming a certain square footage of carpeting and drapery and things like that. And in essence, sending these into the lab to, again, have that qPCR analysis performed on them. And they started to really just put a data set together saying, hey, in this survey, this is what we got. This is high. This is low. This is medium at that time. So they pretty much combined all this up and came up with the ERMI score system, in essence, which is kind of comparing a home to that survey, if that makes sense. So so I just got to jump in here because, yeah. you know, as we've all been in the industry for a while, like this is what we hear. Everybody is like, well, the ERMI scores flawed or the ERMI score is not really what we should be using. So can you talk like a little bit more about why that is? And then like, we don't yeah. currently use the ERMI score in our investigations in yours on your side. So maybe touch on that a little bit, because I know that's going to be like the first question people are like, well, yeah. we've heard like varying things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And you're right. So what's happened over the years is it, not to get in too much detail, but the ERMI score, a lot of IEPs or independent environmental specialists, they started to, in essence, rely on the ERMI score in and of itself. And really, what are they doing at that point? They're comparing this house that they're looking at to that original HUD survey. And through the course of the years, it started to become apparent, you can't judge a house on the score alone. It can be misleading. So the reality of it is, if an untrained individual is looking at these samples, they very well could be giving bad results from, again, the ERMI score alone. So what you have to start to do is look past the score. Again, if you recall, I said there's, in essence, 36 different mold species that are identified in that sample, and it's going to give us concentrations for each one. So you really have to start to look at those individual mold types, the concentrations, what types of molds they are. Are they the marker spore types? Are they the you know, cladosporiums that thrive off of humidity, things like that, and really start to dig into it. And that's how we start to determine if there's a problem. Us as a company, I'm pretty darn proud to say that we obviously started to realize this. I shouldn't say we were the first ones to realize it, but people that know, know that, that you have to look past. So we, being forward thinking, really started to compile, hey, we have our own internal data set. We've been doing this a long time. We've been on thousands of projects. Let's start to combine all this data and really, we've created our own database where we can start to look at when we collect these samples, this is our average, this is our normal, this is our high. And it really gives us that ability to just give our, in the end, our clients much more detailed information to the effect of, hey, this mold type is high and these are the reasons why and it's unexpected and this might correlate with this water damage and really just in the end, dig into it. But in short, to answer your question, the ERMI score in and of itself can be misleading, but the qPCR data, the individual mold types, that is invaluable to us in an investigation. So I hope that kind of answers that question for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think it will for a lot of people. You know, I've been talking about this for, for some time, but I know that's something that would pop in someone's head right away. Again, kudos to you guys for recognizing that yeah, that there is important data in the actual, the sampling and the methodology itself that we can use. It's just, again, we talk about it all the time. Every case that we come across is individual, it's specific, and figuring out how to use that data best for these types of projects and then creating our own, our own internal database and basically scoring system really uh, what do you guys call it? You guys call it like the the Miss Ermi? Like, is it like the mold inspection <laughs> sciences or like what? what are you guys I, like? 
trademarking I, that or anything? Like, I what have you guys not doing? coined a cool name for not, it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Misermi is long. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just long. Yeah. But yeah. I did. Yeah. Internally, though, at least our QPCR database. That's not quite trademark worthy yet, but we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no cool acronym, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that. Yeah. Yeah, but but again, it goes back to what we talked about in the last two episodes. Where like, what are the goals of our client? Like, what information, what data does our client need to get to the solution that they're looking for? And if you're just using one type of sampling, as what you mentioned uh, in the last episode, as kind of like the be all end all, yeah, like this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to find it. Well, that's not the best methodology, in our opinion. You have to dig deeper. You have to figure out how can I make these tests work for us and for this client? And how can I make this? Test? And what is the best sampling strategy? Yeah. Is it the ERMI? Is it the air sampling or air sampling, ERMI and surface sampling as a combination, depending on what's going on in each different area? And I, I think that's where we kind of set ourselves apart from some of the consultants that are out there is that we're looking for all those solutions. It's not just this cookie yeah. cutter method. We come in, yeah, we're going to run a bunch of samples and we'll get back to you. Like it's, it's never right. that. No. It's just, you, you have to come up with that individual sampling strategy for strategy. every single yep. project and every exactly. single client's set of goals. So yeah. good stuff. Yeah. yeah thank no, you. That's true. You know, and the other thing too, is that the QPCR testing also helps uh, not only our clients know if they have potentially contamination in their home and animal problem, but it really also helps those people who are working with a doctor who have CIRS or who have a mold sensitivity or mold illness who've been diagnosed with that, their yeah. doctors are actually prescribing this level of testing for their patients' homes because they need yeah. to know what's the level of contamination potentially. And we can't always determine health risk, but what we can determine is whether or not there's an elevated level of certain types of molds that are found in that QPCR analysis. Yeah. And if that's the case, then there's a higher level of cleaning of that home that's going to be needed for that patient yeah, to absolutely. be in a, a healthy environment during their treatment and detox, yeah. whatever the case may be. So For it's really sure. something that um, a lot of people who who deal with a mold illness, um, they've heard of ERMI testing, and and it's it's something we we believe really is is helpful in the in getting that big picture. There's another yeah. type of of testing that's a little bit more modified that some people may hurt hear of, and it's called Hertz me testing. Brandon, you want to touch on Hertz me testing? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a real important thing to touch on for sure. I would kind of transition you away from saying hurts me testing or anything like that. It's more so like a hurts me scoring system though. Right. And this can actually be derived or, or I shouldn't say derived, but pulled from the existing QPCR sample that we were just talking about. So let's right. definitely dive into it. The hurts me scoring system though was developed by one of the leading medical professionals in the industry who's really started to help identify or I should say was at the forefront of identifying, you know, when certain individuals were more susceptible to being affected by mold and what was causing it and things like that. But Dr. Richie Shoemaker, um, I'm sure that name should ring some bells with people, but definitely, again, one of the people at the forefront on the medical end. And what he started to realize is with his patients that he was working with, he started to narrow down, in essence, what, what's considered to be chronic inflammatory response syndrome or commonly known as SIRS or CIRS, you'll hear it as well. But what he found is when his patients were being affected, if you drew out five specific mold species from that QPCR sample, the big broad 36 species panel, if you took five of those out of there and started to look at those individually as far as their concentrations, there was a direct correlation between his patient's symptoms and those five mold species. So he was actually one of the first to be able to 
prove with statistical data that, hey, when these species are here in these concentrations, we can actually start to link that with these people's health symptoms. And what's at the end of the day we're working towards is getting these people in a clean environment. So the flip side of that is showing that, hey, when these are lowered, these concentrations are down, these mold sources are removed, we're going to start to see, in essence, progress with these individuals and things like that. So really, again, they're pulling these five mold types out and then they're going to assign a score to each of them. And at the end of the day, using that statistical data that Dr. Richie Shoemaker was able to put together, give a statistical likelihood of, hey, this is a safe environment for one of these individuals. This is kind of borderline. Let's reclean. Let's re-inspect. And or, hey, we have a potentially dangerous environment. And Craig, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. You said, you know, we can't really make the, I forget how you said it, kind of the health assessment or anything like that. But this is a tool that people can use with this data with their healthcare professional to actually start to look at, you know, hey, this is a potentially dangerous environment for this individual. So that hurts me sample again, very valuable. One thing I like to throw out there though, is you can definitely, in essence, we can only do what's commonly referred to as a hurts me panel. We can just test your house for those five mold species. I definitely caution people from that. The reality of it is, yes, those five have been associated with, again, SIRS, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, but there's other mold types in this panel that can be in excessive numbers that can show much bigger problems as well that that potentially any individual could be affected by. So I would just look at the HertzMe sample as a condensed version of the ERMI, or again, we refer to it as the QPCR panel. But definitely the more we know, we've said this before, the more we know, the better defined recommendations we can put together, the more we can tell our clients and the more defined our reports and recommendations will be from that point. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a great explanation. Yeah. And we again, like Brandon mission, we we always would recommend the QPCR analysis, the 36 panel. And we we take that information and we also look at the Hurts Me Too score as part of our data interpretation of that QPCR or uh, panel. Yeah. So that's that's really important. Mike, you guys are doing some testing in Texas. You want to talk about the IMA testing? Yeah, absolutely. Brandon and I and others have, have talked about all of these in length over the past 18, 24 months or so. And in addition to us adopting the uh, Brandon's ERMI sampling and, and his scoring system, we've been doing EMA testing, which is the environmental mold and mycotoxin assessment And there's some differing opinions, let's say, in the industry. And I'll just reiterate that I don't agree with any type of testing as being the be-all, end-all again. It's individually specific. It's project-specific. It's goal-specific. And and some of these tests have a little bit more benefit per individual than I think others might have. And you just got to base that off of the client's symptoms and or needs, goals for the project, things like that. probably beat that horse to death. <laughs> you know, basically what the EMA test is, it's another type of QPCR testing. Brandon, what's it mean again? Which one? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I was I'm just kidding. lost. Yeah. I was lost oh, yeah, in your yeah. uh, Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Again, <laughs> so again, again. <laughs> this is an ongoing that, That'll be covered on a later sorry. episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's basically, you know, a different type of procedure. And what it detects is 10 pathogenic fungal species in environmental dust systems, kind of along the lines of the ERMI. But more importantly, they're testing for is they've kind of identified there's hundreds of types of mycotoxins that they've discovered that are out there, but about 16 of them 
they're toxic to humans and animals. Sorry, I lost my, uh, my thought there. But they've been identified to be toxic to humans and animals, those 16. So that's really what it's testing for. And the benefit we feel of that type of test is when you have someone who has a hyper-responsive allergic reaction or they're immunocompromised and they have even the slightest amount of mycotoxin that, that could be affected in the air quality, whether, whether it's been there or it's still sporulating, can affect them as doors moved or as different things move throughout the house, they can, that can really affect those patients. So what the EMA test specifically does is, is it tests, again, at the DNA level for those 10 molds and, and 16 mycotoxins. And yep. then we, they, they tie that to your analysis sample which can then pinpoint whether or not the exposure is happening inside the home or if it's happening somewhere else. Because that's really what our goal is for those types of patients and for everyone, I guess, is to determine what the source is and where their exposure is, right? So, yeah. you know, and again, I tell both sides of the story, right? So if we get positive results and it matches up to the DNA of what's in the urinalysis sample, then we can determine that that you have an indoor source that's affecting you. And then if we eliminate that, the other side of that is, okay, well, we can continue down the path now of figuring out where that exposure is happening. So for these patients, what it's really about is removal from the environment that we find to be the exposure source, and then detoxing them, whatever methods that they use. And I'm not a medical doctor, so they, they use different methods, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But then avoiding re-exposure is the bigger thing, right? Because the Absolutely. next step is, is not just getting it out of their system, but if you walk right back into an area that you're getting re-exposed, well, what have you really done? You know, yeah. you've really just cleaned your system out temporarily and now you're re-exposing, right? So yeah. getting to the bottom of that, getting those answers is, is where all of these tests like really come together. And that's, well, I really appreciate all of our relationships and, and the way we communicate and talk about different things because we investigate homes across the nation. So what's happening in, in Ohio may not be what's happening down in Texas at a certain specific time of year or the same yeah. thing in Seattle or same thing in Orange County. Like different areas are experiencing different environmental changes. So just all of us talking our way through those and we see so many different things. Like you have some projects that are statistically the same, right? But yeah. you have some projects that are just these projects that, as you know, we, we talk about them all the time. Like, wow, we ran into this and, and we these this is what we got from a sampling. And all of us putting our brains together and talking our way through this is like the real benefit of oh, yeah. our complete team and how we get to these solutions. Because we don't just have one expert. We have yeah. 20 and we all kind of bounce these things off each other. And, and that's what they do in a lot of industries. But a lot of companies don't work like this. And no, absolutely. Sure. And I tell people that the reality of it is, I don't know every answer. I, I never will. I feel like a lot of individuals in our industry, they are truly individuals. They're kind of a one-man show. They're this guy out there doing what they can. Obviously, speaking to peers here and there. But with mold inspection sciences as a whole, that's... One of the things that I'm truly proud of is if one guy in the company doesn't know the answer, somebody does. We have so many yeah. high-level inspectors, project managers, executive staff. I mean, left and right, we, we just have somebody who can answer that question. And if we go through all those and still don't know the answer, we'll continue to dig until we do. It's really just digging into these projects. Like you said, there's no one sample. I've heard it said before, and we start to look at a house, you could look at it, or a project, I should say as it relates to an individual, it, it's like peeling the layers of an onion. You start to peel and, and use what you can until you start to get down to it. And hey, we still haven't found it. So let's dig deeper. Let's peel another layer back. Let's do the next thing. 
going into your Emma testing, it's, hey, if, if you have that doctor who's basing their treatment plan off of that, then absolutely, let's get this testing done. Let's dig in. Let's, let's continue to find out in the end, what is the problem? Get it clean and get these people better in a lot of those scenarios. So I, I love hearing that for sure. And I think one of the things that we could work on better as, as a national industry is that industry collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some some associations. We work on it down here in Texas to kind of bring our industries closer together. But kind of like this, it's been in the past, you guys know, it's kind of like the remediation contractors on one side and the, and the assessment companies on the other. And there's like this battle going on. We're in the same industry, but yeah. collaboration, because it's an ever-changing industry. I mean, we wouldn't have to have all these educational conferences about new things that are being discovered and presented and in different things if it wasn't ever changing. And and that's yeah. you know the, the benefit of what we're doing down here, what we do as a company. But I'd really like to see the national industry just just take a broader look at that and you know, so all come together a little bit closer and discuss these things. There's Absolutely, just tends to be so many differing opinions, and yeah. But that's where you get the real solutions. Is that you know you can have differing opinions, and then you. You, you figure out the workarounds or which one's the right one, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. For sure. Well, all good information, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts, Brandon? I would just tell people, I think you alluded to it earlier, Mike, but we threw a ton of information out there. We are going to be uh, publishing, in essence, kind of a summary or, or a guide to what we talked about today. So a lot of good information in there. And just going back to really, when you start to a- ask these questions, you know, hey, I need an assessment done or I need this or I need that feel free to give us a call. Check us out on our website. Find your local number. Give us a call. Talk to our front-end staff is amazing. It's funny, sometimes people call in and say, they kind of assume whoever answered the phone is just somebody answering the phone. And they say, can I speak to a professional? I absolutely assure you, everybody who answers our phone can answer most of your questions, if not all. So reach out, ask questions, tell us about your situation and let us find out if we can help you from there. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. Yep. And they can go to our website and look up at this podcast for this episode and get that guide uh, as well. So um, yeah, we've got a ton of information. You guys want me to finish with the beard? Yes, please do. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> a lot of information on our website. I don't know where um, I went. My cat, I think my cat stole it. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's, it's gone. I'm just, well, what's coming next week? <laughs> oh, I found it. I found it. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm afraid to ask that. Brandon. Yeah. If it was this long after 12 days. <laughs> I'd like to see it braided, maybe. Yeah, I would like that for sure. There we go. We finish with the beard, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get the stash. There you go. Now everybody knows it's a fake one. Yeah. yeah I think we all knew. <laughs> I, no, no, I no. Knew. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. All right. From Let's me and it. our beards. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. And uh, look forward to our final episode next week, right? Yeah, next week. All right. Yeah, we're going to be talking next week, same time, same channel. Uh, We're going to be talking about, it's actually our fourth fourth segment of this series. And we're going to be talking about the the kind of the final testing that we do, which is bacteria, water quality testing, and allergen testing. Did I miss any? Those three? There's a few there. Our specialty sampling. Water testing. Oh, you said water. Yeah, water. (laughs) We like to call it our specialty sampling, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's all special. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone. Again, same time next week, same place. And you won't want to miss this next one. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of the Secret Life of Mold podcast. If you need help with mold issues in your home or office, 
we'd love to help. For our Texas location, please call 888-335-MOLD. That's 888-335-6653. Or email contact at moldtx.com. For our locations other than Texas, reach out to our customer care team at 800-619-MOLD. That's 800-619-6653. Or email us at contact at moldsci.com.